With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramay. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. Mark Daly coming to you once again from the Vivid Seat studio and we're in between race weekends again, which really sucks. And what also really sucks is there's only four more races left in the year. Yeah, I think I let off with uh, the same complaint last week, but it is what it is, and the season always goes really, really fast. But we've been in, we, we've been treated to some good, exciting, hard racing over the past uh, several weeks, and despite Mercedes running away with it uh, for the better part of the, the, well, all of the first half of the season, it's been, it's had its moments. There have been some good races. It's been a lot more competitive in the second half of the year, and it's too bad that uh, Ferrari really couldn't have uh, delivered more in the first half of the year because it could have been uh, completely different but as it stands Mercedes have won the Constructors Championship again a record six times in a row and uh, well what more to say about that Uh, really really impressive stuff so after the race in Japan last week it's a Suzuka the uh, well let's just go down the top 10 Uh, winning the race was number 77 Valtteri Bottas uh, leading home Sebastian Vettel in the Ferrari Lewis Hamilton round out the podium so first and third for Mercedes Alex Albon in the sole Red Bull comes home in fourth Carlos Sainz fifth for Mercedes uh, sorry Mercedes I'm ahead of myself here it's McLaren Renault it's not going to be McLaren Mercedes for a little while longer and then in sixth position, Danny Ricardo in the Renault, Charles Leclerc seventh, Pierre Gasly eighth, ninth was Sergio Perez in the Racing Point, and rounding out the top ten was Nico Hulkenberg in the second uh, Renault. So on the uh, championship side of things, Lewis Hamilton increasing his lead, where still well, I don't know if he increased it all that much. I guess uh, Valtteri uh, closed it a little bit, winning. Lewis only coming uh, third, but he can wrap up the, the World Championship for record six time. Well, record for Lewis, Michael Schumacher. Macker, of course, uh, seven world championships still holds the, uh, the the record with that. Still the uh, the benchmark of uh, of success. Anyways, uh, Lewis Hamilton still on top, three hundred thirty eight points. Valtteri Bottas two hundred seventy four. Charles Leclerc still hanging in third position in the world championship, two hundred twenty one points. Max Verstappen two hundred twelve, tied now with Sebastian Vettel. And Seb now two hundred twelve points after he's been through a bit of a renaissance over the past uh, several races. Good uh, to see. Carlos Sainz, 76 points, which is good for six in the World Championship. Moving ahead of uh, Pierre Gasly from Toro Rosso, who has 73. Alex Albon, the second Red Bull um, driver, 64 points. Danny Ricardo and Nico Hulkenberg rounding out to the top 10. And as I mentioned, it was Mercedes wrapping up the, the World Championship on the constructor side last weekend in Japan, 612 points. And that has not been in doubt for a very, very long time. Although, like I say, it really 
really makes you wonder if uh, Ferrari could have figured out the SF90 a lot earlier and, and found some meaningful improvements and upgrades uh, before the summer break and much earlier in the year really kind of makes you wonder how things might have turned out. But congratulations to Mercedes nonetheless. As I've said many times over, not the course of this season, but over the course of this show since 2016, very impressive what uh, Mercedes has done and they continue to be the gold standard in Formula 1. Like I say, 612 points, which is miles ahead of Ferrari, who's second the constructors with 433. Red Bull third in the World Championship, constructors World Championship, that is 323 points. McLaren Renault. 111 points in the constructors. Great to see. And uh, their resurgence and uh, renaissance, if you want to call that as well. I mean, if Seb's been having a bit of renaissance over the past several races, it has been uh, a renaissance for Renault uh, McLaren this year. Very, very good to see there. And then Renault, the works team, 77 points, which is uh, good for the fifth in the uh, the World Championship. Uh, Toro Rosso, racing point, Alfa Romeo, really disappointing. I mean, 35 points. Um, they've really gone on off the boil and really dropped down. Haas is uh, ninth in the world championship. Very, very disappointing season uh, for them. They've uh, been going uh, backwards and they even said uh, this week that they are not likely to improve over the final four races of the year. So what they are is exactly what we're going to get for the last a uh, number of races to close out the year, and it really has been a terrible, terrible uh, year for the American team. And then Williams Mercedes, one point in the world championship, and the less said about that, the better, because as I said, very, very disappointing. Anyways, let's talk a little bit now about uh, the uh, the Japanese Grand Prix. I know it's a little bit stale now, but anyways, that's what we're here to talk about. Uh, that, as well as uh, all the uh, the latest news in F1, was uh, Sebastian Vettel and Charles Leclerc locking out the front row and qualifying. Seb setting a, a Q3 time of 127.064. Charles setting his Q3 time of 127.253. Valtteri Bottas, 127.293. And Lewis Hamilton setting a 127.302. And then Max Verstappen, who was uh, fifth, and uh, Alex Albon. They were, well, they said identical times, if you can believe it, in uh, in, in Q3. But uh, the, the Red Bulls were about half a second off uh, Lewis Hamilton uh, by the time, uh, you know, you got down to, to where they were. I mean, it really was uh, between uh, Ferrari and Mercedes and Ferrari just having the edge. But uh, very interesting to see how uh, Charles Leclerc and, uh, and Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas separated by less than a tenth of a, a second. And, uh, well, Sebastian Vettel, that was an impressive impressive uh, qualifying for them. And it really has been good to see Ferrari uh, really get things going. It's, uh, like I say, unfortunate from a uh, competition point of view uh, that it came so late in the year. And it hasn't been without uh, controversy. We'll get to to it a little bit later in the show. There have been some uh, questions going around in the paddock in Formula One uh, as to the legality of the design of uh, Ferrari's engine and whether or not it is uh, completely legal. And of course, in Formula One, there is a real fine line, I think, in, in being creative 
in, in exploiting loopholes in the rule, rules and then uh, downright uh, cheating. So we'll, we'll do- delve in that uh, a little bit uh, later on. But the big, big news of <laughs> this one, of course, was the the fact, well, I mean, there was a number of things going on. Um, <laughs> was Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen crashing out in, uh, well, I guess it was uh, turn two into turn three into the, uh, the S's there on the very first lap. And well, it was disappointing because, well, I'm obviously disappointed if you're Max, Max disappointed if you're a fan of Ferrari and Charles Leclerc, uh, because it really looked like it was going to be Ferrari's afternoon again. I mean, coming off a disappointing result in Russia previously, Sebastian Vettel obviously uh, expiring with the engine problems and then uh, Charles Leclerc just uh, falling victim to being in the wrong place at the wrong time and getting caught out by the virtual safety car that was uh, engaged after his teammate expired. But this time, again, you could argue or make the argument uh, that it was another self-inflicted wound by uh, by Ferrari, although not to the team themselves, but uh, by Charles Leclerc, because he really ran Max Verstappen uh, very wide and uh, they, they did uh, collide. And uh, Max, uh, I believe they were saying, lost up to about 25% of uh, the downforce in his car. It was just uh, way too uh, damaged uh, after that. And, and and Max has lashed out at uh, Charles Leclerc. And you can, uh, you can understand why. I mean, these two are building up a, a, a bit of a history there this year. I mean, Charles, I think, has uh, <clears throat> maybe been a little bit more on the naughty side, if you want to <laughs> want to put it that way. But I mean, if you kind of go back, I, I think maybe the one incident that really, I think, has got uh, Charles's hackles up, if you want to say that, was the uh, the really hard and and really forceful overtake that uh, Max put on him at uh, at the Austrian Grand Prix because I mean that that was a race I think that uh, Charles reckoned that, that that was his but Max just had the faster car on that afternoon and I mean he really barged his way through there was a bit of a wheel banging going into turn 3 into that very sharp corner at the uh, at the Red Bull ring there I mean what is it? it's it's over it's more than a 90 degree corner it might be well, well you know about 120 degrees very sharp very uh, slow as they go up the the, the hill there and then turn into the corner. But I mean, Max pushed his way through, banged his way through, and then went on to, to win that race. I mean, the thing is, that was uh, an aggressive overtaking maneuver by Max Verstappen at that, uh, at that point in the race. But it was only a question of time. At, uh, at at that point, and uh, you know he, I, I think that uh, if he hadn't passed him there, he would have gotten him at the the the, the next corner at the end of that uh, long straightaway at the back of the Red Bull ring. Or if not there, he would have passed him within a, a lap or two easy. And uh, I, I mean, Max was just not going to be denied that day. I mean, he was just absolutely flying. He was uh, in a class of his own. And I, I don't know if you guys uh, saw this, but uh, Jensen Button, 2009 world champion, has said that uh, he believes that Max Verstappen is the fastest driver ever to race in, in Formula One. And well, <laughs> I mean, he is obviously very fast. And he's got, what, uh, six races uh, or victories under his belt now now and should be a lot more honestly but max really has never had a competitive car well he's had a competitive car in certain situations in certain races he's been very good i mean mexico last year for one uh you look at uh, obviously uh the, the the red bull ring and in, in austria this year those are just uh, two examples i mean you look uh, way back a couple of years ago uh in brazil in the wet he was just 
He was flying. It was uh, unreal passing people in places he had no business passing off the line in the wet and still doing uh, incredible things with the car. And I mean, uh, to, to hear a guy, uh, an experienced Formula One driver and world champion in, in Jensen Button say that he believes Max is uh, the, the fastest guy ever in Formula One kind of makes your ears prick up and, and listen to, uh, to, to those comments, uh, certainly. And I mean, he had uh, different things to say. Well, also complimentary things to say about uh, Lewis Hamilton. Uh, uh, because they were teammates of McLaren for what was it three years about uh, about a decade ago so I mean uh, he's, he's had some good teammates uh, throughout the years that uh, uh, Jensen has anyways that is uh, I don't think there's a lot to, to argue about I mean it really makes you wonder what uh, what Max Verstappen could do if uh, he was in a competitive car like a like a Ferrari or definitely the Mercedes. I mean, Mercedes is always the, the, the gold standard. I mean, they've been so good for so many years, but I mean, Ferrari have been pretty good over the years. Uh, last year probably was the best year out of the mall, uh, even, even though it uh, didn't end very well. I mean, they, they have competitive cars. Kind of makes you wonder what's going to happen uh, with uh, with Max Verstappen. You kind of have to think that he's, he's sitting pretty uh, <laughs> where he is at uh, Red Bull. I mean, uh, uh, Christian Horner team principal there has been uh, I mean, he's been a little bit guarded, but I mean, he has said uh, occasionally here and there that he feels that uh, discussions and the, the the talks that they've had uh, with Max with a new contract, because I believe his contract is up at the end of next year. But uh, uh, Horner has uh, said a couple of things, dropped a couple little teasers here and there that he feels that the the, the discussions are going in the right direction. But you look at uh, just his main rivals in Ferrari and Mercedes. I mean, Valtteri Bottas had his option picked up for 2020. Sebastian Vettel out of contract to the end of next year in Ferrari. It just kind of makes me wonder if somebody uh, in a silver painted car or scarlet red painted car is going to drive up to Max's uh, house with a dump truck load of money <laughs> and make him literally the, uh, an offer he cannot uh, refuse. Uh, I mean, you would think that uh, Red Bull and and Honda would try and do everything within their power to make him stay there. I mean, we know that, uh, that Honda is definitely um, delivering a lot better on the engine side with Red Bull this year than uh, in the previous years than they have. Uh, well, I mean, last year was a bit of a transition year, I think, with the, with Toro Rosso. I mean, that car was basically a, a test sled to get uh, the, the the data that they needed and really get the the real world feedback and uh, data in a real life and racing situations. And um, it was basically one big test session for them last year. And that's obviously helped uh, Red Bull this year, but they've kind of tailed off as uh, the season's gone on. And uh, they, they were definitely at I, I think it's fair to say better than Ferrari in the uh, the opening half of the season, and uh, that was uh, reflected uh, in a couple of wins for for Max Verstappen, and uh, that I don't think there's re- any real uh, discussion there. But you know, since then they really have been they've been a step behind Ferrari. Let's put it that way. The advantage they had uh, earlier in the season has evaporated as uh, Ferrari's been able to fi- figure out their car and what the, they needed to do to uh, get that car dialed in and and really get the performance that they needed. I mean, we all know that the car's quick in a straight line. We know that uh, Ferrari reportedly has the, the, the most powerful engine in, in Formula One, but it was just the car and the uh, the, the model that they used with the, uh, you know, the, the, the downforce compared to uh, their rivals in Mercedes and Red Bull just left a, a lot uh, to be desired. A lot of performance was left out there that uh, that hindered them in uh, through corners, through uh, tighter, slower, more technical uh, parts of tracks. I mean, uh, when, you know, what's, what's the, uh, the, 
what's really the advantage if you have uh, this uh, this straight line speed if the the car doesn't handle as good doesn't have as much grip going through the corners and the advantage that you uh, gain going on the straights uh, evaporates literally before your eyes going through the corners there but you know it uh you know they're getting there slowly but surely but getting back to max it really makes you wonder what this guy guy could do if he is in a car that is uh, worthy of his uh, of his talents, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that if uh, Max was to jump into a Mercedes right now, that uh, he would we would literally see him driving off into the sunset. I think he would just absolutely crush it driving uh, in Mercedes, and really makes me wonder as Lewis gets a little bit older. I mean, not very old. The same with Sebastian Vettel, but I mean, there are some interesting, intriguing options uh, coming up for uh, for Max uh, Verstappen, and. I I really wonder if we will see him stay with Red Bull in uh, in 2021 and uh, beyond. I mean, uh, Honda, um, they're getting the job done. Next year is obviously going to be uh, very interesting to watch to see if they can get uh, any more performance out of that engine and uh, and close the gap uh, to Ferrari. Because as uh, Ferrari, like I say, uh, have uh, got the car dialed in, that uh, the car has improved quite a bit. And uh, the advantage that uh, that Red Bull had over Ferrari earlier in the year, and certain most of the tracks, not all of them, um, has uh, has disappeared. And uh, as we've gone back to the familiar pecking order of uh, Mercedes, Ferrari, and uh, and Red Bull, although the the past several races uh, it really has been uh, the other way around. It's been more Ferrari, Mercedes than Red Bull. Although uh, Mercedes have had a little bit of good luck uh, go their way, but just. Um, well, we'll talk about it because we're coming up on a break here. Anyways, uh, let's uh, take a short break here to hear a message from our sponsors. So don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to Scuderia F1 here on the Overtime Media Network. And guys, NFL season is on. NHL is started. NBA is around the corner. Remember, if you're going to head out to the game this weekend, download the Vivid Seats uh, mobile app. And uh, for new and first-time uh, customers, you can uh, save up to $100 on your very first purchase by using my special uh, code OVERTIME. So uh, make sure you get in on that. I mean, uh, guys, were you watching uh, the NFL this evening? It's Thursday night. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs and the Denver Broncos and 
I grew up in an era when uh, when the Broncos were a good team with uh, with John Elway won a couple of Super Bowls. So to kind of see them struggling is a, a little bit uh, different. But hey, that's the uh, the ebb and flow of sports. And uh, we're not here to talk about NFL, although uh, I would really enjoy that. But that's another conversation saved for uh, a different time and a different place, and obviously a different podcast. Uh, we were talking uh, just now uh, about uh, the, the the Japanese Grand Prix just uh, before the break and. Uh, um, Valtteri Bottas, I, I think he was uh, well. I think he was good value for money for that win. Uh, obviously, Ferrari uh, did uh, very well to lock out uh, the, the front row, but that uh, disappeared very quickly. What with uh, Charles Leclerc uh, getting into that uh, tangle with uh, Max Verstappen on the uh, you know turn what was it turn three, turn two uh, on, on the very first lap there, and I mean his car was uh, was damaged, and then of course he ended up getting the double penalty at the end of the race because uh, you know he had the uh, the the, the damage damaged front wing and that end plate uh, flapped around for a lap and rather than bring him in and replace it right away he went around for a second lap that flew off and uh, that that, uh, pieces of it uh, impacted Lewis Hamilton's car and Lando Norris's car Uh, so I mean that was no surprise that uh, that he was going to get uh, a time penalty for that also uh, getting penalized uh, for uh, being found at uh, fault for causing the accident with uh, Max Verstappen so uh, 15 seconds in total and a bit of a shame too uh, I mean Sebastian Vettel left out there to uh, defend all for himself again, but uh, he did very well to to hold off uh, Lewis Hamilton in the end there. He, even Sebastian, uh, he had that bit of a, a jump start there. Uh, very lucky uh, not to, to, to get uh, penalized uh, for that, but it was well within the uh, the, the tolerances uh, apparently, and his car was stationary by the time the uh, the, the lights uh, did turn green. And, uh, well, I mean, just watching from the the end of the, uh, the start-finish straightaway there with the camera looking back up towards uh, the start-finish line there when the lights uh, went green. Uh, Valtteri Bottas really had a very good uh, start and took advantage of uh, Seb double-clutching it and getting it uh, all mixed up and, and really messing it up. But I, I think regardless, if um, Sebastian didn't have that uh, little moment at the start and got away good, I still think that uh, one way or another, I think uh, that, that Valtteri Bottas still would have won that race. He just, um, I think he just had a very quick car on uh, on Sunday afternoon. And I think that uh, if he did pass uh, Vettel out on the track, I think that uh, he probably would have been able to, uh, via the usual uh, genius of uh, Mercedes, via an overcut or undercut uh, during the one of the pit stops, and it worked out uh, well for them. But uh, well, what did you guys think? Uh, I'd like to throw it out to, to you and hear some opinions here. I mean, obviously, the uh, the, the typhoon that uh, went through that part of the world about a week ago impacted uh, a lot of uh, things in Japan and sports uh, were not immune to it, affected uh, matches at the Rugby World Cup. Obviously, uh, Saturday qualifying was uh, postponed uh, for the Japanese Grand Prix. And it was it was interesting uh, to see. I mean, uh, we, we've heard a lot of different things that uh, they've uh, proposed to make changes and make uh, Formula One, uh, you know, uh, different, uh, you know, different qualifying ideas that they have. I mean, it can't be any worse <laughs> than what they had a couple of years ago with that uh, sort of uh, rolling cutoff that didn't uh, really work and was uh, quickly dropped after a couple of races. But it was it was very interesting to see Formula to have the, uh, the, the the qualifying and the Grand Prix on the same day. Qualifying went about three hours or so uh, before the, the the start of the Grand Prix, which uh, would have gone at the usual time in the afternoon, local time in Japan. But uh, it's 
obviously from a TV point of view, uh, was unfortunate uh, because uh, here in Canada, the, the 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 rights holder TSN only uh, broadcast uh, the, um, the 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 Grand Prix itself. But it came on on a tough time in in, in the schedule. Saturday night prime time is when uh, qualifying was on. I was listening on my app, so I, I was able to uh, or on the on the Formula One app, so I was able to to listen to the commentary and the live timing. But you know. <laughs> It's disappointing. I mean, I can see why they didn't show it, and I, I don't uh, begrudge them uh, for that. I mean, uh, there there were a lot of big things going on at the same time, and obviously the Grand Prix itself is the main event. And um, I, I guess from um, a broadcast uh, point of view, that's the one that uh, takes precedence, uh, and and you can see why it didn't get shown. But uh, from a from a fan's point of view, it, it was disappointing to see because I kind of had to go back afterwards and watch it uh, on, on the highlights, and uh, not not quite the same. But that's why I kind of hope it uh, at some point uh, that we, we get less uh, restrictions on uh, on the on the F one TV app here in in Canada. But of course, you know TSN, like I say, has the rights, and that's going to have a lot to do with uh, what gets uh, broadcast and what you can uh, stream live or or immediately afterwards. But I didn't really love it, and I didn't really hate it having a qualifying and uh, and and the Grand Prix slow so close together. I mean, it, it was kind of cool uh, to have them go so close together, only a couple hours apart. Obviously, there was <laughs> you know, that puts a lot of more pressure on uh, on the teams and on the mechanics and everyone that uh, you know is 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 making it happen from the pit wall and in the garages. So I, I can understand that, but just from a a, a purely selfish point of view. Uh, I kind of like dragging out Formula One over the course of an entire weekend, and uh, of course, uh, you have the, the the practices as well on Friday and and uh, at different times on Saturday and Sunday as well. So it is uh, for, from that selfish point of view, I kind of like having qualifying on the Saturday and then the, the the big main race, the main ticket, the big event, whatever you want to call it, on uh, on Sunday because uh, typically how it works uh, when uh, when we watch it here, we're always out of sync. I mean, Japan. Australia races like that are great uh, to watch uh, here on the West Coast in North America because they usually come on late on a Saturday night and I'm a sad old man, so I don't go out on Saturday nights much anymore anyways. So Formula One is the perfect uh, perfect way to spend uh, an evening, and it was perfect. I mean, the the, the timing for the, uh, the, the Grand Prix itself was 10 p.m. local time here on the West Coast. So, you know... That's that's a great time. I wish it'd be like that most more, more often. But honestly, week in week out, by the time that we get to sit down and watch uh, qualifying or watch the race, is uh, usually uh, the middle the, towards later part of uh, of an evening. So I mean, if we're watching qualifying or the race itself, we're usually watching nine or ten o'clock on a Saturday or Sunday night, anyways. But uh, it uh, it was it was good to see for for one off, but. Uh, for me going forward, it would not have to be a thing uh, uh, again. But of course, it was unusual uh, circumstances and it uh, just was what it was. Anyways, let's talk now a little bit uh, more about uh, some of the uh, other things that went on in the Japanese Grand Prix. I mean, we got a couple of minutes here before we run up on our next break. And um, again, it was a a good outing. Uh, We saw some good things uh, from uh, McLaren again. And uh, well, one one thing that involving uh, McLaren that did uh, make the news was the the, the clash between Lando Norris and uh, Alex Albon at the chicane there towards the uh, the end of the circuit as they just before they come around by the pit and then on to the uh, the, the main straightaway <clears throat> 
And it was uh, Alex Albon barging his way through and um, a little bit of a, of a tap, a little bit of wheel banging uh, going on there, but uh, uh, he was not penalized for it. Uh, and I don't think he should have been. I mean, it was a, an aggressive move. It was it was hard. It uh, it, it definitely had the potential that uh, to cause an accident. I mean, maybe not Alas have the same uh, uh, impact to say uh, Alain Prost and uh, Ayrton Senna all those uh, years ago but it was uh, a, a good hard overtaking uh, maneuver and uh, I really didn't have any uh, problem with it and uh, and Lando Norris uh, said uh, basically the, the the same thing that uh, and he said uh, quote unquote uh, fair play to to Alex Albon and uh, he was glad to see that he wasn't uh, penalized for it and and I think that uh, in, in situations uh, like that uh, you know that might be a, a little bit uh, getting close to that uh, imaginary line in the sand as to uh, what is uh, acceptable and unacceptable uh, racing but it was on the inside of the track it wasn't reckless it was a, a very calculated and a precise move uh, I mean there was uh, enough uh, room for Albon to uh, stick his nose in and dive up uh, the inside of the track into the the, the, the chicane there and uh, take the position even though um, Alex Albon or sorry um, uh, Lando Norris was uh, pushed a, a little bit wide I thought uh, I had no uh, problem with it and that's the kind of racing that I want to see I mean this similar to uh, what I was saying a little bit earlier about uh, Max Verstappen barging his way through on uh, on uh, Charles Leclerc back at uh, the Austrian Grand Prix back uh, in, in the summer. And as long as it's safe, as long as um, nobody's taking uh, too many crazy risks, I, I don't really have a problem like that. I, I do have a problem with uh, somebody being forced off of the track, either intentionally or unintentionally. I mean, uh, intentionally, well... Uh, I mean, we could take uh, many examples uh, from Michael Schumacher, and I, I, I say that as a Schumacher fan from uh, from back in the day, and then also maybe some of these uh, unintended ones, uh, like, like Charles Leclerc and uh, and Max Verstappen last week. Uh, Charles obviously uh, getting it wrong, and he he was penalized for it, and uh, you know he did uh, admit uh, afterwards that uh, that uh, he was the one to to blame for the crash. So I mean, man enough to uh, to admit uh, when he's in the wrong, but I I, I like to see the hard hard racing is uh, like I say I mean as long as somebody isn't doing something reckless or dangerous to endanger themselves or um, or, or the other driver or the marshals or the pit crews or, or fans I'm okay with uh, with with hard racing I'm not okay with reckless stupid racing and uh <laughs> There are some guys we can put into that category, but the less said about them at uh, at, at the moment, the better. Uh, so I, I I don't want to see uh, a guy like Alex Albon getting penalized uh, in a situation that uh, that we saw between him and Lando Norris. So I thought uh, well played by by uh, by uh, by the stewards, well played by Albon, also uh, well played by uh, Lando Norris in his comments uh, afterwards. And uh, I, th- I think uh, at the end of the day, I think as uh, as fans. People that enjoy watching uh, Formula One or are passionate about it, as I'm sure every single one of you are that are who are listening to this uh, this podcast, uh, are, are deeply passionate about the sport as uh, as I am. I think that's what uh, we really want to see. I mean, it might be great to, to watch a couple of cars uh, going down a straightaway and uh, one guy sling slash uh, slingshot his way around. It's a bit of a mouthful. Uh, the car in front of him, uh, you know, using the toe and uh, and the DRS uh, to get a little bit closer. I mean, it, it's great to see cars draft and stuff like that and and, and maybe uh, working their way around but also a good um, hard gritty racing I 
I think that's uh, important to, to see as well. So sticking with the McLaren, Carlos Sainz said that he's proud that McLaren Speed made uh, Charles Leclerc give up at uh, Suzuka. And uh, Sainz was saying that uh, his fifth place uh, finish was, uh, was a bit more special than others uh, because uh, after he uh, was so quick, he forced Ferrari and Charles Leclerc to, to give up uh, in, the, uh, in the Japanese uh, Grand Prix. And I mean, Sainz, he qualified seventh and uh, took advantage of the, uh, the accident between uh, Max Verstappen and uh, Leclerc. And uh, he, was, uh, he was right up there. He was fourth early on in the race. And, uh, and it was, uh, this was uh, one of his uh, best uh, races, I think, results of the, uh, the entire year. Um, so it, it is good to see that, uh, that uh, McLaren, they are continuing to improve even this, uh, this late in, in, uh, in the year. And they were saying uh, not all that long ago that, um, that they would be willing to sacrifice uh, position and results uh, at, during the, the, the latter stages of the year and, uh, and potentially drop down in the Constructors uh, Championship if they can um, use uh, the... Uh, or better use the time that they have in uh, designing and developing the, the the car for for 2021. I mean, if uh, they've sorry for 2020. I mean, if uh, they've done uh, such a good job uh, getting it uh, right this year with uh, new key personnel coming in at different times. I mean, uh, Andreas Seidel, the new team principal, uh, did not come into um, into the job officially uh, or officially get going. That is until uh, May or June. So I mean, the, by that point, I mean the season's already well underway. So I mean now now you've got uh, him guys like uh, James Key the uh, you know the technical director I mean a, a lot of these guys and a lot of these people are there now and so I mean you can see that uh, where they've sort of been uh, coming in at different times and at uh, different moments how that uh, may uh, just uh, affect uh, things just uh, I mean it's just a little bit uh, disruptive at times and now now that they got all these people in place they can uh, really focus and buckle down over the uh, the fall and winter months as I'm sure that they've been doing for several months now designing uh, their challenger for the the 2020 formula one world championship season anyways uh, we're up against a break again Uh, don't go away we'll be back again just after this very short break to hear a word from our sponsors don't go away All right, welcome back to the show. Mark Daly again here in the Vivid Seats uh, studio talking Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. And uh, let's uh, go ahead and uh, keep uh, diving into the news, uh, some of the things that have been going on this uh, weekend. Uh, Formula One, or sorry, the FIA, that is, has launched an investigation into why the checkered flag light display panel was shown one lap too early at uh, at the Japanese Grand Prix last weekend. So that meant uh, the race was actually declared uh, over a lap earlier than a uh, originally intended it was supposed to be a 53 lap race ended up um, that the the light went on uh, was uh, displayed on a uh, lap 52 so a little bit uh, kind of bizarre but anyways um, there is uh, a regulation or an article in uh, the sporting regs uh, that say and i quote should for any reason the end of race signal be given before the leading car completes the scheduled number of laps or the prescribed time has been completed the race will have been deemed to have finished when the leading car last crossed the line before the signal was given so it's a little bit uh, kind of funny how there was a a, a bit of a controversial moment at the beginning of the race with the Sebastian Vettel and the jump start that uh, wasn't uh, wasn't penalized but uh, of course uh, we've been over that and uh, was judged to been within the tolerances and um, well it's just kind of funny that in the 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 same day that we have uh, one of the uh, contenders one of the guys that has a shot at winning that race uh, maybe 
making uh, making the news for for the jump start. At the other end, we have a, a bit of a hiccup uh, with the automatic system that that uh, that, that runs the race, uh, you know, declaring it over a lap early. I mean, you, you could see how that uh, is a bit of a, a recurrence, but slightly different uh, because uh, last year at uh, at the 2018 Canadian Grand Prix, Winnie Harlow, the uh, you know, supermodel, uh, waved the flag uh, two laps early, and uh, that sort of um, there was a big discussion then as to uh, which uh, you know when, when was the, la- the race officially over when the checkered flag was. I mean, there was a mis- uh, miscommunication there. I mean, it was obviously it wasn't uh, her fault. So it's just uh, I find it a little bit uh, ironic and interesting that uh, that this. Situation System that's uh, supposed to be infallible uh, has a bit of a technical glitch and uh, <laughs> causes a bit of a, a change to things. I mean, it didn't uh, it change anything with the uh, the cars up at the at the front. I mean, uh, Bottas still won, Vettel still came second, Lewis still came third, etc. But uh, it did change things. Uh, Sergio Perez uh, ended up uh, finishing ninth. Uh, he did get in a bit of a tangle with uh, Pierre Gasly, which uh, what should have been the, uh, the the final lap and ended up in the barrier. So that was. Uh, good news uh, for him. Uh, Nico Hulkenberg moved down to 10th, and then uh, Lance Stroll ended up uh, dropping out of the points from 10th into uh, 11. So that's uh, that's frustrating uh, for for Lance. Obviously, I mean, I think that you uh, that you actually scored some points, and then uh, you find out uh, because of a technical glitch <laughs> that you didn't actually score a point at all, and you end up uh, in in 11th place. So uh, you could understand if uh, Lance Stroll might have been a little salty and a little bit uh, ticked off uh, about that. Anyways, uh, the FIA did say that they have no idea why that uh, checkered light panel uh, was illuminated uh, too early and is uh, going to look into the details uh, to see exactly what uh, what went wrong there. Uh, anyways, uh, Chief uh, Stewart uh, and the Formula One race director, uh, Michael Massey, said that uh, there was a very unfortunate system error that was at fault uh, for the, the checkered flag light panel coming on. And, uh, well, I mean, like I say, I mean, it didn't change the, uh, the, 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 the top guys. But uh, did change some uh, th- some things in the the, the middle of the, uh, the the pack. So hopefully they get it fixed. But a bit of a weird one, nonetheless. Anyways, and uh, talking about uh, Mercedes now, Lewis Hamilton says that the 2019 uh, constructors' championship title doesn't feel as happy. As uh, at his previous one, I mean, uh, well, and uh, you can understand why he says following the and this has to do is with following the the loss of a uh, former team uh, team chief and non executive uh, chairman uh, Nikki Lauda, who was uh, was a, a a big friend to Lewis Hamilton. So you could understand why it uh, wouldn't be a, quite as a, a happy moment uh, for him. And uh, and Lewis says, and I quote, "It definitely feels a little bit different. Obviously, I wouldn't say as happy as previously because naturally we lost Nikki this year, and it doesn't." feel the same without him naturally i'm very very proud of the team very proud of everyone back at the factory and i know nicky would be taking off his hat for today's results i think we owe him a huge amount and this win is really for him i th- think the whole team and the whole of mercedes will probably dedicate this to nicky i definitely do very very proud to be a part of it and a part of the journey but it has been a difficult, tough year for us, you know? Every time I walk into the garage, I see Nikki's headphones and his cap. I sat and I looked at it today before I got in the car. As I said, I know he'll be proud. I know his family will be as well. The team should be proud too. So you can understand. I mean, taken a little bit out of context that, uh, you know, you, you might think that uh, that Lewis is being a little bit petulant, maybe being a little bit uh, self-centered. But uh, when you delve into it and look uh, beyond uh, the, um, the, uh, the, the, the headline there, you can uh, certainly see 
why he would uh, not be as uh, as joyous. I mean, uh, you know, losing a, a, a person of the stature and uh, somebody who's important to, to the team and also from a personal point of view to lose a guy like that in, uh, in Nicky Lauda would uh, obviously have impacted a lot of people and uh, not just uh, Lewis Hamilton. But uh, I just like to know, I can't, I have to admit, there, there is a little bit of a jealousy going on here because I have to wonder, all those people that work uh, for Mercedes, yeah, have to think that uh, that they're going to get a nice big fat uh, bonus for another uh, constructors uh, championship. I mean, I know they work damn hard uh, to do it. I mean, I know that uh, Mercedes invests a lot of money, but still, I mean, uh, considering the, the the people that they're racing against, I mean, to, to keep doing this is, um, I mean, it's 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 impressive because you know that um, Ferrari and and Red Bull and teams like that, well, all of them. I mean, they they're not uh, going in there and and slacking and doing it. I mean, some teams do a better job than others. Some teams have bigger budgets. Some uh, do uh, do better with everything. But I mean, it, it really is a, a new benchmark uh, for excellence that they've uh, set over the past uh, several years. Anyways, talking about uh, Ferrari now, Sebastian Vettel uh, says that uh, they made no changes for the breakthrough that they uh, had at, uh, at the Japanese Grand Prix. And he said that his step in performance uh, at the, at the champ, uh, Japanese Grand Prix, where it, um, he ended uh, Charles Leclerc's uh, qualifying uh, superiority. And I mean, it uh, was, was about eight or nine uh, races in a row where... Um, Charles uh, had uh, outqualified him and uh, Sebastian. I mean, he's starting to show... I wouldn't say showing signs of life. I mean, uh, he's obviously had a very, very uh, tough year. I mean, he won the, uh, the 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 Belgian Grand Prix in 2018, and he looked very good that afternoon. I mean, going away from Spa over a year ago, I don't think anybody imagined it would be more than a year before uh, Sebastian Vettel would win another Grand Prix and all the the difficult things that he had to uh, endure uh, in in between. But uh, you know, definitely since the uh, the, the the summer break. I think that we've seen a more familiar Sebastian Vettel. I mean, I know he paid a, played a bit of a support role in helping uh, Charles win the, uh, the 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 race at at Spa this year, uh, but I mean, he won in uh, in Singapore. I know that uh, Russia was a uh, was a bit of a disappointing one, and and obviously he had an embarrassing moment uh, when he spun out at, at Monza. But I, I've seen. I've been more positive in what I've been seeing from Sebastian Vettel over the past uh, two months uh, since we we came back from summer break than uh, than than probably the last year. I mean, uh, it's been dark and difficult times uh, for Sebastian Vettel, but interesting to hear him weigh in nonetheless and say that uh, that there were no uh, changes in in what he did, and he still, um, you know, approached it uh, from the same way, and, and Vettel did say, and I quote, uh, when and this is when he was asked uh, what he did to, to break through uh, uh, and, and get on top of Charles at the Japanese uh, Grand Prix, and uh, Vettel said, and I quote, uh, not really just a, a clean qualifying session, I don't think there was a particular problem. We've been improving the cars in Singapore. The update has helped me in areas where maybe I struggled a bit before. Overall qualifying sessions on my side didn't go entirely smooth. Maybe uh, that one that just went quite smooth. Both laps were clean. I had no issues preparing the lap. There's nothing that has changed. We didn't change the car for here. There's nothing that would explain the step in performance. But so interesting to, to hear what uh, what he uh, attributes it uh, to. And of course, you know, a nice clean lap or two obviously uh, makes a, a big world of uh, difference. And it is interesting, I think, uh, that uh, that he said that the the updates that uh, that they did put on the car uh, since this. Uh, 
Singapore has uh, made it uh, or helped him in other areas that uh, where, where he had been having problems. And I did say that uh, several uh, episodes ago that uh, some of the issues that uh, that Sebastian had, I just uh, wondered that uh, that the car and the way that it had been handling just doesn't suit Sebastian Vettel and his style of driving as much as it does uh, Charles Leclerc. And uh, you could see maybe why uh, Sebastian was struggling a lot of those circumstances when uh, when Charles wasn't. And uh, obviously, I mean, a, a lot of the problems that uh, Sebastian Vettel had obviously did look like it, it was due to a, a lack of grip. I mean, look at, uh, at Montreal going into that uh, uh, little chicane after the Senna S when, uh, when he went off under the grass while leading and then uh, not being able to, or then, you know, being penalized for the the unsafe uh, return to the track and, uh, you know, Lewis having to lay on the brakes and that, that whole saga. But I guess you could make the same argument for the little slip that he had at uh, in, in Bahrain at the beginning of the year and then also uh, at, uh, at Monza a couple of months ago as well. So it is uh, interesting to hear that uh, the, the updates that they have put on the car in the past couple of races have uh, really helped uh, Sebast- uh, Sebastian get a little bit more confidence and uh, and and get more performance and and be able to do something with the car and know that it's uh, not going to uh, you know the the the, the, the rear is not going to slide out on him or whatever the the, the case may be. But uh, Vettel did also go on to say that uh, Ferrari as a team work better, not harder, and what they're, they're doing there, and uh, they that's what he believes that they need to do as a team if they're they're going to make that next uh, step and, uh, and close that gap again to uh, Mercedes which uh, we've seen I mean uh, last year the first half of the year that really was uh, you know I, I think and I, I know I've said it almost ad nauseum that uh, that 2018 was a season that got away in terms of a, a world championship for Ferrari and uh, and Sebastian Vettel I, I, I do believe that the they could have won one or both of the world championships uh, last year, neither the constructors or, or drivers, and uh, it was just unfortunate that they slipped at the end of the year when uh, when Mercedes uh, really stepped it up. I mean, the difference between uh, uh, Ferrari and uh, and Mercedes uh, from last year to this year is that uh, that uh, even though Ferrari were stronger in the first half of the year, whereas maybe um, that uh, they, they were ahead of uh, Ferrari, or sorry, Mercedes at that time, is that uh, that the gap wasn't uh, as big as it was between Ferrari and Mercedes uh, this year. I mean, uh, last year they, they really ran neck and neck and uh, it, it wasn't until Ferrari began to, to struggle down the stretch uh, towards the end of the season after the summer break. That's when it really, the, the, the momentum swung in Mercedes' favor and it really stayed that way until really only about uh, two months ago uh, after uh, the summer break and uh, we went to, to Spa-Francorchamps. So uh, it, it is interesting though to hear somebody on the inside like Sebastian Vettel weigh in on the situation and get his two cents as to what they need uh, to do as a as a team and uh, and Vettel says and I quote I don't think we're lacking anything I think we just need to work better I think we're very committed working very hard but it's not yet on the level that can be achieved obviously Mercedes have shown that in the last years that you can do better and they've been able to maintain that I think we are not in that position there's still room for improvement it doesn't start in Mexico next year. Next year starts next year, so whatever we can learn this year, I think we've learned a lot about our car, the weaknesses. We've improvement, but there is still not there, so we've had a strong couple of races, but uh, overall, I think we are still a little bit uh, behind. So that, I think that's a, a very accurate take, and uh, like I say, interesting uh, to, to, to hear Sebastian's uh, take. Obviously, <laughs> when he says that they're not lacking anything, that makes sense. I mean, uh, Ferrari, unlimited resources, uh, really very much uh, like uh, Mercedes. So, so, I mean, 
it does come down to it's not not how much uh, you spend, uh, but how you spend it and and spend it wisely. I mean, you could uh, spend uh, a billion euros or pounds or dollars a year, but if you're not uh, spending it wisely and working hard, or sorry, working uh, efficiently and and smartly, it uh, it really doesn't matter how much money you throw at a problem. I mean, if it uh, if it's just not done uh, in an efficient manner, you're just going to be throwing a lot of money and wasting a lot of time and effort, and obviously a, a lot of money to uh, to solve uh, an issue. Anyways, uh, time for one final break here on the show, and uh, when we come back, we're going to start wrapping up here on Scuderia F1. So don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. All right, welcome back to Scuderia F1 here on the Overtime Media Network. And I did mention it off the top of the show, but um, Ferrari's engine is now under a bit of a scrutiny because uh, there's there have been questions uh, brought up uh, by a lot of their uh, rivals and uh, a lot of them have um, gotten together and they've written to the uh, the FIA for for clarity over certain uh, design aspects and the legality of it and they, they want to know uh, what what's going on because they believe that uh, these um, these uh, what they call I guess irregularities or you know, the, the questions that they have about uh, Ferrari's engine design whether or not uh, that they uh, are, are legal and this uh, this is a story that comes uh, from motorsport.com so go over to their website check it out because it, it really gets a uh, kind of a uh, detailed um, but anyways the the, the recent uh, performance breakthrough that they've had uh, really does uh, underline uh, what the what their engine advantage is which uh, is believed to be about 0.8 of a second so not quite a second but still I mean that's a uh, significant and uh, some at some tracks that uh, that that gap has been uh, described as ludicrous by uh, by by, by one person. Anyways, um, you know, since the summer break, in uh, all five qualifying uh, sessions since then, Ferrari has uh, topped all of them, and uh, they've won uh, three uh, Grand Prix out of that. I mean, the the ones they didn't uh, obviously were this past weekend in uh, Japan, and then also in in Russia previously. But uh, I mean, obviously, I think of Russia they had a little bit of luck, uh, just the way that uh, that uh, Vettel's car and uh, his demise in that race uh, worked more in Mercedes' favor rather than uh, Ferrari. I mean, that we've been over that uh, in this show and also last week. Uh, but uh, it, it really is uh, interesting how that uh, this has come to light and it kind of makes me wonder uh, how how did this uh, you know how did they find out about it uh, because uh, I, I'm not going to get uh, too uh, into the nitty-gritty about the the uh, the, the, the technical uh, details in it but uh, anyways it has to do something uh, about uh, one theory that uh, that that is floating out there is uh, something uh, to the effect of how the intercooler and how a control leak may allow a small of more uh, amount of oil into into the combustion process and introduce a, a power boost uh, for a very short uh, period of time. So using the oil in the intercool, which uh, they think that um, Ferrari may be the only ones uh, doing it, it, it supposedly it is permitted by the uh, the, the regulations, uh, but the rules uh, uh, do say that uh, systems uh, must not intentionally make use of latent heat of vaporization of any fluid with the exception of fuel for the normal person uh, or purpose of uh, combustion in the engine, so a bit of a uh, <laughs> a bit of a mouthful uh, there. But um, at least one of Ferrari's rivals believe that um, this could be part of the advantage that they've had over the past uh, several races, and it just kind of makes me wonder 
how these uh, rivals have uh, come to these uh, conclusions. Is it uh, speculation? Is it an educated guess? Is it uh, is it a bit of a leak that they got uh, a tip from an inside source? Is it a combination of one or two of those things, or all three or four of those things? However, might it uh, it might be to certain uh, certain degrees. So it, we'll see uh, what happens. So uh, Ferrari's rivals say that they have uh, not had any uh, responses thus far to uh, get clarification on the topic, and uh, the FI's preference in uh, such situations when teams lodge a protest uh, that uh, that teams do so, and then uh, they'll be uh, scrutinized. And uh, that Ferrari, they're no stranger said to this because uh, last year they uh, they were under the the, the microscope uh, when there were question marks about their ERS and, uh, and battery usage so but the thing is and this is kind of interesting uh, Ferrari aren't the only ones that uh, that are being uh, dragged in for some uh, scrutiny but um, uh, racing point uh, lodged a protest after the race and uh, this had to do with a, a brake bias uh, system that or adjustment system that uh, that uh, Renault had uh, on both of their cars at the the, the Japanese uh, Grand Prix. So the FIA has uh, impounded uh, Renault's ECUs and steering wheels and um, so this uh, basically allows uh, the, the, the protest uh, lodged by Racing Point uh, to proceed and so they can uh, investigate uh, properly. So uh, it's just kind of funny. I mean, we, we haven't really heard uh, a lot of these kind of things uh, happening. I mean, we have had some examples, uh, like I was just uh, referring to uh, about uh, Ferrari's battery usage and uh, uh, EFS systems uh, from, from last year that were were in question then so i mean it, it isn't unheard of but it is a, a little bit kind of funny that you have two uh, basically right on top of uh, each other at the same time so we'll wait and see i mean as usual that the teams in question claim that uh, that there's there there's nothing wrong going wrong there that the, they haven't breached the rules and uh, well you wouldn't expect them to say uh, <laughs> anything less will you i mean uh, it really does come down to like i say that that fine line as to what is creative interpretations of uh, of the rules and any any loopholes in them and then uh, blatant and out- outright uh, cheating so ultimately it's up for the FIA to um, to uh, decide I mean the the, the obviously the one that uh, that's uh, more note or newsworthy is uh, what's uh, what's happening with uh, with uh, Ferrari I mean it's interesting too about uh, Renault I mean they, they've had some better results uh, recently so where is that uh, coming from and uh, it kind of makes me wonder too how did uh, Racing Point uh, know that uh, they had this uh, brake bias adjustment system on the on their cars and how they uh, they they knew what was there and uh, and and what uh, and, and and what sort of uh, performance advantage that uh, they were getting as a, as a result. Anyways, uh, sticking with uh, Renault, they believe that uh, their development has uh, been uh, hurt by a wind tunnel shutdown, and uh, that uh, basically has to do with the uh, their aero development progress since the summer break, and uh, it was uh, it put their. Uh, Put, put a bit of cramp in their, in their style because their, their wind tunnel was out of action for several weeks uh, for an upgrade and uh, really kind of uh, messed them uh, around. And, uh, well, I mean, Surreal Abitabul, the the, the, uh, the team principal, uh, when he was talking to uh, motorsport.com, said that they, they, knew to, they knew that they needed to introduce these uh, upgrades at some point on their wind tunnel, uh, especially with, uh, you know, this new season coming up and also with, uh, with 2021 and all those rules and everything. So uh, just unfortunately, uh, the, the the timing from them, especially when uh, they seem to to, to finally uh, be coming on. Okay, Toro Rosso, as of uh, the uh, well, the uh, Grand Prix Abu Dhabi will be their very last race.
but they'll still be around. They just won't be known as Toro Rosso uh, going uh, going forward. In uh, 2020, they will be known as Scuderia Alpha Tauri, and that is uh, well. I mean, they've been Toro Rosso ever since uh, Red Bull took over uh, Minardi way back in uh, 2006, uh, effectively uh, creating a, a feeder team or a junior team for their um, you know their their younger uh, prospects, uh, their younger drivers uh, to get some uh, some uh, exposure and uh, experience in. in Formula One. Anyways, they've uh, decided to uh, rebrand and rename the, the, the team. And I mean, they've they've gone on uh, for 15 years as Toro Rosso. So a bit of an end of an era, but uh, they're still sticking uh, to their roots uh, a little bit. And AlphaTauri is their uh, uh, their their fashion uh, line that uh, that was launched uh, about a year ago. I don't I haven't really seen anything here. But again, I guess I'm not really a fashionable kind of guy. So why would I know? <laughs> Anyways, it's not really uh, the, the first time that we've seen uh, name changes. Uh, I mean, uh, obviously last year, Sauber Alfa Romeo has uh, given way to Alfa Romeo Racing for this year. So I'm, it, it, it happens. And uh, Toro Rosso, of course, uh, just being a uh, an Italian transa- uh, translation of uh, Red Bull. So, yeah, you know, whatever. It kind of had its charms. It kind of rolled off of the tongue easy. Uh, and for your space nerds out there, apparently uh, Alpha Tauri is a, a star in the uh, constellation Taurus. So there you go. Uh, another uh, bull tie-in. So they're they're very consistent with their branding at Red Bull. So you got to give them props for that. Anyways, uh, going back now to uh, 2020 and uh, beyond. So Formula One teams, they're going to vote in Paris on uh, Wednesday of next week on plans to run three experimental Saturday qualifying races in 2020. And uh, teams that are opposed to the idea will have to uh, change their minds uh, for the, uh, the, the the measure to, to go through. Uh, anyways, uh, there was a deadline of uh, April 30th uh, for um, the, the uh, majority post or vote to, to, to pass. And they they need uh, unanimity or unanimity. That's a bit of a, a bit of a mouthful for this time of night uh, to to uh, for the change of the FIA sporting regulations. But uh, still, several teams are opposed to the idea, and uh, Mercedes they apparently have issues about uh, having uh, their cars um, start from the back of the grid because I mean it's one of these things this uh, reverse grid where the slower cars would start at the front and the faster cars would be at the back, and I mean it would make for some uh, you know interesting uh, scenarios uh, obviously, but I don't know. I'm, I'm not really a big fan of this uh, reverse uh, grid uh, scenario. I am open to the idea of um, improving upon the qualifying format. I you know, Personally, I like the way that is. I, th- I think that it works. You know, you've, you've got Q1 and Q2 and Q3 and you lose five cars each time you get to the uh, to the top 10 uh, shootout and and for me it works i i think that uh it uh, it obviously gets uh, more and more exciting as uh, time goes on and so especially when you get to the the typically the second uh, hot lap in uh, in q3 and uh it, it 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 to me it just works it just uh, works the way it is the uh, as i was saying earlier in the show it the, uh, the the experimental version that they tried a couple of years ago just uh, didn't with that sort that rolling cutoff time and it was just kind of silly that some guys just ended up knowing that they weren't going to be able to stay out ahead of that invisible marker and get chopped off before they were able to get out there and set another time and it just looked kind of funny watching these guys just opting not to go back out into qualifying and they ditched that after what was it like three races or something and went back to the the format that we've had for a very very long time and you know like I say 
I, I'm open to the idea of uh, changing the qualifying process or, 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 or practice, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I don't like the reverse grid idea, but who knows? Maybe people smarter than me will be able to come up with something. So uh, let's see if uh, they, they can. Anyways, uh, Renault says that they, they are confident uh, that uh, the big teams aren't going to what they call hijack the 2021 uh, rules plan and uh, for, or, sorry, he's not former, but uh, Renault Basarilla Bitabul is uh, very confident that uh, none of the team uh, or the big teams will try and uh, strong arm things and, and hijack the rule changes uh, when they have their, their meeting at Paris uh, in Paris on Wednesday. Uh, so, I, I mean, again, it, it, it's amazing that it's taken so long. I mean, what was it like two years ago when they had uh, that, uh, those concept uh, plans or cars, those sort of uh, CGI mock-ups of, uh, or whatever you want to call them, of uh, what uh, cars could potentially look like in 2021. 20, uh, and uh, here we are all this time later, and we still don't really have an idea. I mean, it, it's a difficult thing to get all these different teams, all the stakeholders to, to sign off on it. But again, I mean, we literally are coming up against uh, the 11th hour here, and uh, I'm surprised but not really that it's uh, taken so long uh, to get it uh, sorted out. Anyways, uh, finally, the uh, the uh, on again, off again, uh, but usually off again, uh, proposed uh, Grand Prix in, uh, in Miami, Florida is apparently on again uh, after uh, apparently Formula One has uh, agreed with uh, Miami Hard Rock Stadium uh, to uh, have a race there in 2021. And... I don't know. <laughs> As a guy that's covered Major League Soccer for a good number of years, I have watched uh, up until, I guess, a year or 18 months ago when uh, when David Beckham and his group were finally granted an MLS uh, expansion team in uh, in Miami. But they went through a lot of uh, things. A lot They jumped through a lot of hoops to get, uh, get a team there. And, uh, it was a, a very, very difficult process. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't really, uh, follow it uh, all that closely. I followed it enough to kind of know what was going on. And it seemed every time they had a proposal going into the city, uh, or to the County, whoever the ultimate, uh, planning authority is in Miami Dade County. Um, it, it seemed that, okay, now we got a, a something that works because we're going to build a stadium where we, we propose to build a soccer specific stadium in, whatever, a certain part of the city. And then it uh, just didn't end up uh, going anywhere. And then uh, it, it took a good uh, long time before they finally came up with a scenario, came up with a solution uh, that uh, that was going to work for them and ultimately worked uh, for the city as well. And the, you know, all the, uh, the, the parties signed off on it. And they're going to start uh, playing next year. But uh, Formula One going through similar different things. I mean, we've seen a couple of different um, uh, proposals uh, go out there. And you know what? I'm not going to sit here and, and throw shade at, uh, at, at Miami and the way that they do things. It's a situation that's neither good nor bad. It's it's just a process. And, uh, I, I, in my, in my nine to five job, I work in that kind of, uh, that, that, uh, that, that, um, area that, uh, of, of land development and real estate. So I understand that these uh, processes can take time and that, uh, that just because you have a scenario that works doesn't necessarily mean that it says it's going to work, uh, when it, when it goes through at the city and goes through the approval, uh, process. And you can understand people, local residents might be against it for whatever, reason and and maybe they won't maybe they'll be enthusiastic about it the point is that there's a process to it and that process needs to play out and ultimately uh, what it comes down to is it has to work uh, for for all the parties and it's been a bit of an iterative uh, process 
Let's uh, let's put it that way. Anyways, uh, sounds again as though we may have a second race in the USA in uh, in 2021, and that would uh, definitely be cool because, uh, as I was saying earlier, the race or earlier the show, we don't get a lot of uh, live races uh, here, or we get live races on TV all the time, but uh, we don't get uh, that too many that uh, that are overly friendly in uh, terms of uh, viewing times, especially here on the West Coast. But if we could get a, a second race that we could watch live, I mean, obviously Canada works. Uh, Austin, uh, that works. Mexican Grand Prix, some of the Asian races work uh, very well. Uh, so that you know, from that selfish point of view, I wouldn't mind <laughs> adding another one. Uh, having to race in the, in the Eastern Time Zone definitely works good for for people on the opposite coast here in North America. So we'll wait and see what happens. So 2021 apparently is when it's going to happen. Uh, that's when it's going to go ahead, and we'll wait and see. Anyways, that is about as much as I've got uh, for this week. Thank you guys for downloading and listening to the show. Uh, please get in touch. Send me an email. Love to hear from fans uh, from wherever you are. Uh, I love the sport just as much as you guys. And that's one thing that's uh, cool compared to some of the other media work that I do, uh, especially for soccer. That's uh, typically covers one specific market, uh, specifically the home team here in Vancouver. So although I love uh, you know talking about it and hearing from, from other soccer fans uh, around in the in, in, in BC, in, in, the, in the lower mainland in greater Vancouver. Formula One is cool in that uh, respect is because I can be a fan of uh, Sebastian Vettel or Lewis Hamilton or whoever, and there can be fans literally in all four corners of the, the, the globe. So if you want to uh, give me a shout, you can do so uh, by emailing me at scooteriaf1 at gmail.com. Sorry, scooteriaf1pod at gmail.com. Got to give out the right email here, and we'll give uh, do some shout outs on the show. And also, uh, if you download the show, leave us a nice uh, review if you feel so inclined on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from uh, a good rating and review certainly helps uh, make the show visible or share it with a friend and uh, that's ultimately what it's all about we're just here to talk Formula One we're here to enjoy it and uh, we love uh, doing so each and every week uh, with with you guys wherever you are anyways I've rambled on for long enough like I say thank you very much uh, for listening when we're back uh, this time next week we have a a Grand Prix to look forward to in the Mexican Grand Prix so can't wait to, to get to get going on that but until next time have a great weekend and we'll talk to you guys again very very soon ciao thanks for listening to the skidaria f1 podcast if you want to get the show notes for this episode then head over to skidaria f1 pod.com want to get in touch with us then email us at skidaria f1 pod at gmail.com